Open up your Bibles, if you will. Anybody know where we're turning? 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And uh, you expect God to deal with you? Can he? Here's the big thing about being a Christian. God will deal with you. And if you'll inquire of him, he'll, he'll give you an answer. You with me? And uh, God wants us to all walk in his best. And, uh, but there are times things come against us. Doesn't matter. And in this context here in 1 Corinthians 10, man, they had got attacked in so many ways. And they really had opened up the door and allowed things into their life God didn't want in their life. And it was destroying them. All different things. And so here in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, we're going to begin reading. It says, No temptation has overtaken you. You know, have you ever been on the freeway and thought, that car's not going to beat me, and they overtake you? Well, there are just times you're going to be overtaken with temptation. Pressures, hard things that come. And he said, though, there is no temptation, test or trial, that has overtaken you except such as is common to or with men. Why is that important? Usually in a tough time, what happens to people is they get this isolation. This has never happened to anybody. What I'm going through right now, you don't understand. Nobody understands to get you think like you're alone. Like not even God has been through this before. God hadn't been through that. He's never seen this. And all of a sudden you're magnifying your problem. You with me? But he said, no temptation, test or trial, literally, hard time or situation has overtaken you, but what is common to man or mankind, but God. If you're allowed to write in your Bible, you could underline that, but God. In other words, tough times come, but God. When a tough time comes to you, what do you do? You should be going, this, this is hard, but God. You should start magnifying God. And the first thing he said, but God. In other words, is God bigger than what you're facing? Oh, for sure, by miles. And he's for you. But God is unfaithful. You can't trust him. You got to beg him. Maybe he'll do something, but God is not always faithful. No, God is always God and God is always faithful. Who will not allow you, permit you to be tempted or tested or tried beyond what you are able. Some people read this wrong. You'll hear it preached like this. There's no temptation that's overtaken you, you know, that's common with man, but God will not put upon you. Anybody ever heard that before? Oh, common. But it doesn't say God's putting anything on you. God, I need your help, but you're putting this on me. 
No, he is not putting anything evil on you. It says God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. In the Old Testament, it said when the enemy comes in like a flood, tests, trials, he said the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard or like a wall against him. He tests you cannot avoid, but nothing has hit you that can overpower you. Somebody said, well, it might be close. No, it can't take you over. can't do it. But notice, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but he, with the temptation, will make. He will make the way of escape you know, there is a way of escape from what you're facing, and I don't care what it is. Did anybody come to Jesus when he was on the earth and he said, there's no way out of that? <laughs> no. There's, you, you, well, you, you stumped me there. No, not even in the Old Testament was there not a way of escape. There was a way out. And notice, he will also make the way of escape. So notice there is a route out. No matter what, no matter how long you've been there, there is a path out. But notice, have you ever taken a path before? Usually it's not one step and you're done. Well, I did it, Lord. No, notice he said that you may be able to bear it. Remember, he won't allow it to come to where it crushes you, but on that path out, you may have to endure. But you have to take the path that is given to you. And if you go back and look at all the things they faced, man, oh my, there was junk. They had got themselves into it. But God gave them every time a path, whether it was healing, deliverance, protection, provision. He gave them a path. Is there a path for the Christian to deliver you from what you're in? Totally there is. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, the Bible tells us that God tries to correct every one of his people. You ever had a little prompting, like, you turn on the TV, I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to just relax for four or five hours. And then you just get this little nudging inside, not up in your head, your head will enter in. And you just are like, I shouldn't do this. You, it's not words, you just know. Two people, three, four. Oh, look at the miracle. All the hands are being healed. No. Or, or you're like, I need to go pray. And it comes from way deep down inside. Anybody ever had that? Well, 
every person who is saved has that. What is that? What is that? Oh no. But I ignore it the best I can. How's that working? Turn to James 2. If he gives you a path, would it be wise to follow the path? This verse of Scripture may seem totally odd for what I'm about to talk about. But if there is a path given... And we all, every Christian knows, I don't care how old or how young you are, you knew, I shouldn't hang around with these people. I shouldn't go here. Anybody ever been there? And you just went anyway. Anybody ever been there? Okay, don't raise your hand. No, I'm kidding. We've probably all done it. Well, no, we all have. But is it advised? No. Boy, you weren't confident with that. Notice James 2, verse 26. We're talking about a way of escape for you that you can get out of trouble no matter what the trouble is. But remember, the path after you get the way of escape, you have to follow it, and it could still be pressure for a little while. Notice, you'll be able to bear up as you escape. Notice 26. For as the body, everybody say body. body. Say it again. Body. Without the... So is the body the spirit? Is the spirit the body? We all know what the body is. Don't we? It's that outward part. But he said that the body without the spirit is dead. King James, I believe, says dead being alone. That means your body can be alone without your spirit. That tells us that God knows something about you. That you're more than just your body. And the Bible said the spiritual part of you is the candle or light bulb, we would probably say today, searching all the inner chambers of the belly, way down inside. Proverbs 20, 27. It's the place you get light and understanding. But how many of you have ever known reasoning comes? We can pray later. You know, this is your favorite program. Well, we need to know this. You know they're going to be talking about this at work tomorrow, who won the, won the game. But we've known he's given us a path, a way. And where did he do it? In your body? No. No. Your body is just the vehicle by which you are to live through, meaning spiritually, or you can lock away your spiritual man and live by your unrenewed mind and what just feels good to you. It's how the world lives. But notice he said, 
For the body without the spirit is dead or dead being alone. In other words, if your spirit is not in your body, uh, you won't be here anymore. If you're saved, you'll go to be with the Lord. So it tells us your body should be being influenced by your spirit. should be being dominated by your spirit. But how many of you know that your body, even though your spirit's in there, is not always dominated by your spirit? How many people make their own plans for life? I'm going to do this, this, this. I got this 10 thing plan, and I'm on seven, and I'm going to finish all 10, and God's dealing with you not to do those. No, I got this plan. What you're doing is this. Your spirit and body are still together, but you're listening to false reasonings. God is trying to direct you through your spiritual part of you. And uh, you're saying, no, I'm going to lock you away. So when your spirit is not ruling when you're a Christian, God is not ruling through you. So I'm locking away the life of God for my plan, which um, is not good because the way of escape comes from within. You know, I was talking to Pastor Linda about some different things about this, but how many of us have ever known to do something from God? If you're a Christian, honest, you knew. How many of you have ever known, I need to be to church today, and you were at home, and you went, yeah, I'm not going. There's an honest person. Another honest, and you said, I'm not going. People are like, I am raising my hand. <laughs> I'm talking about being honest. That, that's lining up with the spiritual part. And you just said, well, I'm not going to go. Do you know what you did? You basically... God wants to flow through you and live through you, through your spirit. You basically said no to God. You're you're not living through me. But he lives in you. And he won't leave you. But with him is joy and peace, victory in life. And I just said no to his flow. I got a different flow. And if I only have degrees of obedience and then I look later and go, God, I'm facing this, what's the deal? But I haven't been following the way of escape. Should I look to him? quieter no I should look to the direction I already have to that knowing and go he's given me a way of escape I have chosen to live not from the inside out but from the outside in and when I live from the flesh and the unrenewed mind I lock away what's in me from God when I'm saved that's why Paul said this Notice this in 1 Corinthians 9. Everybody with me? This is the way to victory. Um, 
somebody told me this happened, and, and, and I know one of the people is in the service. The other one is in the building. They had moved somewhere. They, they knew, and I'm not trying to be mean, but I think this will be helpful. They moved to places where they knew they shouldn't move. Home. And, uh, or they thought it was a good idea first. And uh, both situations were different, but this one said, and if you're, are you there at 1 Corinthians 9? Okay. So both of them had this same exact experience. They had boxes of pictures. This will help you. And different things. It was the wives. And uh, they said every time they'd go to pull them out of the closet or out of the garage or wherever they were and put them up on the wall, they're doing something with their physical body. And they'd go to do it. I know this from one of them. The other told me, but I don't know the motion. But the one went to put it up and knew, and they like, ah, and they'd put it back in the box. Then, then they would go back later and pick them up and go like this. And then they wouldn't do it. Do you notice something there? There's a spirit part and a physical part. Their unrenewed mind was like, we're making this home. Let's do it. Inward, there was something going, let's not do it. The spirit was trying to express saying it. You ever tried to call somebody and go, and you hang, put it back down, and then you pick it back up, and you put it back down, and you're like, I know I need to call them. Anybody ever had that? Or I know I need to do this, but every time you try, you're like, ah, I shouldn't do this. The other night, the Lord had dealt with me about doing something for some people, and, um, and I tried to hook up with them, and inside I knew they're not going to be able to meet me and so I can talk to them. And I knew it, but I kept pushing. And I was like, all right. And finally, I just went, all right, Lord, I know it's not going to happen, but I'll make for an opportunity. The next day, I was going to go eat somewhere. So I went first to this one restaurant and went, uh, inside, don't go in. No voice, just like hanging the picture Something in me was, I was wanting to hang the picture, was not wanting me to. So I went to two or three places right there, and I went, I need to go over here. And I went over there, and I was getting off the freeway, and they were right in front of me, and I went, I'm going to get to talk to them right now. They drove right into the same place, and I just said, hey, is this? Because I wanted to know about a situation the Lord had dealt with me about. And they're like, yeah, it'll work out. This will be good and everything. But here's the thing. I knew there was an expression from God trying to get out. I could have disobeyed. I could have eaten and just had to work it out later. But what I'm saying is, notice this. God is trying to find his way in your life. So when he prompts you to do something and you go, no, 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 you're basically not letting your spirit who's in you you're a spiritual being, and God is in your spirit once you're saved. You're not letting him rule you. And if your mind is not renewed properly, you'll lean to the natural. 
So you understand what I was saying about that person hanging those pictures. Their spirit was like, this isn't right. This isn't where we're, we're to be. This isn't our home. But they're owning it. So, so they keep trying to hang the pictures, and they can't. But you could override it. You ever overridden something? You know what's nice when you preach like this is that you can identify and you recognize, if my spirit is communicating with me and I just have a small prompting, and it's really a direction from God. The Bible said in 1 John, I believe 5, 10, everyone born of the spirit has the witness in them. They just know that, that God's God, Jesus is Lord down here, not up here. You can get confused. You can go clutter your life with a bunch of junk and then you'll struggle from the inside out. You know, back with your head and with what's in your spirit. That's why you're called in the greatest need of the church is to renew their mind. And notice 1 Corinthians, um, I was going to read verse 27, but um, we'll read in verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race... All run, but one receives the prize or the crown. Run in such a way that you may obtain it or win. Now you understand this, everybody, whether you know it or not, when you get saved, you're running a race. You don't get to choose the course and say, bless it. You follow his guidance. And it goes on to say, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. In other words, these people who are running, athletes, are temperate, which means they use self-control. That is important. If we're going to follow God, you're going to have to use self-control. God is not going to control you. God will direct you and prompt you, but you will have to control you. And if you don't control you, God will not control you. Because God is not a devil. So don't pray, God, just make me obey. Because he won't make you obey. He wants you to obey. He wants his best for you. He wants the best in your life. But he gives you a choice. And so we may all have prayer after service. We're going to pray that everybody obeys God. I'm just going to pray everybody obeys God. That's a waste of time. Hey, life can get so tough, it'll help you obey. But that shouldn't be the motivating factor. Notice those who run to win are temperate or self-controlled in all things now they do it to obtain a perishable crown but we for an imperishable crown therefore i run thus or like this paul's going to tell us how he followed god's direction or god's way of escape how he obeyed the lord how he walked in victory and he faced a lot but notice, therefore I run thus, or like this, not with uncertainty. 
But I fight with everybody I meet. And I argue and bicker, especially with my kids. Oh, wait, no, it doesn't say that. Thus I fight with the Lord. You know, whenever you argue with his promptings and go, no, 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 you're arguing with God, not just your inward man when you're born again. And a proud person won't follow. That means we all deal with pride. Don't condemn yourself. Know so you can deal with it. Hey, if I'm the smart mouse in the neighborhood, and I'm like, listen, you guys, if you ever see a piece of wood with all the shiny metal wiring-looking stuff and a clump of cheese, don't go get it. Don't. I'm telling. No, I'm getting it. And then one of your mouse buddies gets smacked, and they're. Ah, oh, poor mouse. I told you. You know, a temptation literally means a trap. There's bait, and a trap. Oh, me just disobeying those little things doesn't mean it. No, that's a trap. That's why God will give you a way out of the traps you get yourself into. I can't do the running man. It would look really bad. And so otherwise I'd do that right now. He said, thus I fight not as one who beats against the air. In other words, I fight, but it's not just shadow boxing and punching out here. I'm targeted in what? I fight against. But I, notice that phrase, look at that. But I, I discipline my body. So his body and him are not the same. Remember, the spirit without the body is dead. God directs your spirit. He said, but I discipline my body. In other words, I don't just do everything through my body that my mind tells me to do, but I know inside don't, or know by the word don't. He said, why? He said, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. To what? To the way of escape. I bring my body into subjection to the way of escape. The way of escape may not always look like a way of escape. But if it's direction from God and an inward prompting, Him revealing a way of forgiving or doing something or not doing something or giving when it makes no sense. and You just know. I'm not talking up here in your head. I'm talking way down here. That is the way of escape. And really to follow that way, I have to keep my body in subjection. What if that one person ended up putting the pictures up 
on the wall and then proceeded to settle in the home? Would they be disciplining their body or would their body be beginning to hold their spirit captive? And if you're a new creation in Christ, there's divine peace, joy, authority, power, life, abundance in you, and God is in you. So for me to do that little thing, I'm closing God off by closing off my spirit. I discipline my body. He didn't allow his unrenewed mind to rule him. And I bring it into subjection. Into subjection to what? What I know in here. Lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself may become disqualified. Wow, so he could keep preaching, but then become disqualified himself. Has that ever happened to a preacher? Has that ever happened to a Christian? Doesn't mean they're not saved. You get disqualified from things. You ever been disqualified from a race or, you know, seen somebody or heard, you know? R recently, there's this marathon guy who all of a sudden had some fantastic time come to find out. He took a little shortcut. Well, okay, a big one. And everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then they found out. You know what happened to him? They gave him a medal. For ingenuity. This guy is sharp. He didn't even follow the court. No, they disqualified him. He didn't win a crown. So, what you need to realize is this. Turn to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. I have to turn there. And once you get there, I'm going to read a scripture here, and then I'm going to turn to Peter. And you need to recognize there's a spiritual part, and there's a physical part of you. Your mind is in there too. And if you don't discipline your mind, you'll side in with your body if you go no I'm not thinking that way and it's a choice I'm siding in with this you will unlock what is in you Peter says this that he has put in you everything that you need and pertains to life and godliness when you get saved there is so much inside of the Christian and it's amazing we're not taught to follow the inward man. Because it's not in your body. God has set things to your account. I mean that would blow your mind. But how many of us live in degrees of obedience, but not a real full out, I know to do this, I'm doing it, and we cut off the way of escape. And then we look to God. God, why aren't you? And he's like, oh no, I've given you the way of escape. 
Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, or you could say, has already blessed us, or you could say, every Christian, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. All of it's already yours, but you're not going to just walk in it if you choose to go no. You've got to follow the path, and then that eternal life that's in you will begin to dominate you. How many people have ever been challenged to walk in love by God? Forgive people. Be patient. Be kind. You know what he's saying? I want that new life that's in you dominating you expressing itself and in expressing it you're expressing God through you for me to live after the flesh is to lock away that new nature I have in Christ and you have and doesn't mean I'm not saved it just means I have refused to follow certain paths that he has given me one last scripture. Ready? Everybody okay? I feel like I might have lost some people. Hebrews 12, and we're going to close with this. We will begin in verse 5. This is written to Christians. Because here's the thing. People who have received the Lord are different than those who have not received the Lord. There is a vast difference. Not because of how they act, but because of what God has done in their spirit and what's in there. Whether you're experiencing it or not, totally different. I mean different thought, meaning you may or may not be. But I do know this, I guarantee you God is dealing with people today because he wants to cause what's in you, your new spirit that you have in Christ with the Holy Spirit to dominate your life and get all that into motion. Notice verse 5. See what had happened, the Hebrews were being pushed and pressured to give up on Christ and go back and reject him and go back to the law and following rules and all this, but notice this here in verse 5. You have forgotten. He's writing to Christians. The exhortation which speaks to you, which means me, all of us, as to sons. We would say sons and daughters. Notice, notice, speaks to you as children. Sons, my son, here's the exhortation, do not despise the chastening, literally the direction or correction of the Lord. In other words, when you know you're getting a way of escape, don't despise it. What do you mean despise it? Well, yeah, I know what to do. I'm just not doing it. That's despising Oh, I could do it later on. No, that's despising. We're talking about the creator of the universe giving us direction. 
Now, does God dislike you when you do that? No. Actually, what happens is you change your attitude. His attitude doesn't change. My attitude might change toward him and because of that, but his attitude toward me does not change. My son, do not despise. Notice he didn't say, whatever you call yourself. He said, my son, do not despise the chastening, discipline, correction of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him or when he deals with you. Don't be discouraged. Yeah, I know I'm not doing it. Don't be discouraged. This is what you've been looking for. This is the way of escape. This is the path to the fullness of life in Christ. Don't be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens or literally corrects and scourges or disciplines every son whom he receives. Somebody's like, I just don't know if the Lord loves me. Has he been correcting you? Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. He loves me. You ever heard kids when they get spanked or whatever? You hate me. I hate you. If you love me, you wouldn't do this. No, I would hope we're doing it because we love him. We don't want him to go down a wrong path. Here he said, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens, corrects, and scourges every child whom he receives. Notice, if we endure chastening or we follow after it, because remember, he makes a way of escape that we may, remember, we may what? Remember 1 Corinthians 10? He makes a way of escape that we may... Does anybody remember that? No? Does anybody remember that? He makes a way of escape. Right? How, what does he make a way of escape? He makes a way... I'm going to go back. I'm going to read the whole thing. 13. Now all these things happen, that's verse 11. No temptation has overtaken you, but what is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it, or you could say endure. Now, We're here, and we're closing. If you endure the correction, in other words, you stick with it, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten or correct? But if you are without chastening, in other words, if, if God never, ever, ever deals with you, ever, and you say you're a Christian, you have to question your salvation. But if you are without chasing, of which we all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers, earthly fathers or human fathers, 
who corrected us and we paid them respect, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of Spirits? Notice that phrase, Father of Spirits. We need to follow in our spirit and live it out through our body. Notice the Father of Spirits and live, for they indeed for a few days chastened or corrected us as it seemed good. This is natural. Parents seem best to them, but he for our profit. Why is God prompting you? Why has God dealt with you about insignificant, seemingly things for your profit? For your profit, for my profit, but it's so small, but it's for your profit. Why? It's part of the path of escape and victory. Notice, subject to the Father of spirits and lives, so he's telling us where it's coming. Notice the next verse. For they indeed, for a few days, you know, they chastened us as it seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Why is it important for you to partake of holiness? True holiness is not keeping the Ten Commandments. True holiness is being made new and then following the word and his leadings. Here's the benefit of holiness. Now, no chastening, verse 11, or correction or discipline seems to be joyful for the present. That's good to keep in your pocket when you sit there and God starts that little, mm, don't, you don't do this. Uh, oh, I knew this wouldn't be pleasurable to do it. Not at the present, but painful. Oh, because i got to watch that program. You know how important this is, Lord? I may be talking to you about this later. Because he's concerned about how the stomach turns or whatever that program is. But he said, painful. What is it painful? Not spiritually. You ever heard, seen little kids cry in the store? There are a lot of Christians crying. Oh, I don't want to do that, Lord. It hurts. It's cramping my style. Well, he does it for your profit, but he said afterward, after you do it, it yields, brings a yield. You know what a yield is, right? A crop, a harvest. It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Anybody ever been prompted? Guarantee you, you're probably going to have an opportunity coming soon to obey. Somebody's like, I think I've overridden a few. If there is something predominant that just keeps coming up and coming up in your life and you just know it inside, that's your path. That's your escape. That's for you to live in the fullness. I had considered starting a series today called God is Huge. Maybe I did and didn't know it. But I was going to talk about how big and huge and powerful God is. 
But even though he's so powerful, it takes our cooperation to get his power going in our life. And that's what we're talking about. 